Hello and welcome to Tigers by the Fire, a podcast out of Holy Cross High School about World War II discussions and stories. This is Michael Arvitas, and I'm here with Ian Duty. Hey. Ian is going to be the topic, I guess, of our first episode of the 2022-2023 school year. Ian was in the Albert H. Small Normandy Institute over the summer, and so he got to spend a week in Washington, D.C., and then a week in Normandy, France. And in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the trip he was on, uh, and then more specifically about some of the things that he learned, and even more specifically about the soldier that he wrote a biography on and gave a eulogy to in the Normandy Cemetery. So I'm going to let Ian kind of, I guess, talk at first about why you got into the program, and why you thought it was an important thing for you. So ever since I was little, um, World War II was very, was kind of in, like, kind of put into us as like by, like my mom. We always kind of watched World War II movies, like everything World War II, books, literally everything. And um, ever since then, I've kind of always been interested in World War II. And my coach sent me an email one day regarding about this program that offered to take you to Normandy and to experience everything that happened in the Normandy invasion. And um, yeah, I couldn't say no. So, And, and it was a, a pretty interesting program, I think, from the sense that this was the entire second semester that you had to work on these things. So what was that like having to, you know, attend lectures weekly that were given by, you know, college professors and then to write uh, two pretty large papers considering for a high school student? It was it was very like eye opening, I would say, because these papers were somewhat near to a college level, I would say, in like terms of formatting, in terms of like material required. And um, I think it, it, doing those papers and having to also go to school and deal with that at the same time, it kind of taught me how to manage my time effectively and um, also just kind of gave me just like a taste of what college would be like when I'm older. I think that's that's always one of the the neat things about that is balancing time and you know how well you can do with that. And you had to write about the Battle of Pegasus Bridge, uh, and you gave a presentation on that. And the other one, the other research component was a biography on a soldier, uh, Sergeant Ray, who's from Gretna, Louisiana, who you had a little history with. Can you talk about how you went about choosing what soldier to write about? So initially, I. I, I've kind of always known um, Sergeant John Ray my entire life. And um, I, when I was little, um, I had um, an immune deficiency issue. And that basically meant I couldn't fight the flu or a sinus infection like effectively. So I would um, kind of be in the hospital. I would have to get like, you know, IV injections in order to help my immune system fight um, the flu or the cold or whatever. And um as I said earlier, my mom was always kind of trying to get us interested in World War II. And um, so when I was in the hospital, um, my mom would um, make analogies regarding World War II to make what I was going through a little bit more understandable and to um, make it easier for me to, I don't know, comprehend. And um, my mom um, sent a letter one day to the World War II Museum just thanking them because World War II Museum has played like a a pivotal part in my life because that's where I would spend the majority of my childhood just in the War II Museum learning as much as I could. And, um, or not even learning, just being there because, you know, it's just fun. And um, my mom sent a letter to them thanking them for, you know, their impact on me and just, you know, how much they mean to all of us as a family. And um, they posted that letter in their magazine. And um, we got an a letter from a widow, from a veteran who died in uh, the Normandy invasion. Little do you know, it's Sergeant John Ray. And um, 
his wife, uh, Miss Paula, Miss Paula Gidry, um, she emailed us like we had a correspondence for a really long time until she died, um, I think in 2019. And um, she sent me his patch. And it was just so cool for me as a kid. To, um, I don't know, to be so obsessed about Normandy and everything and then have a personal connection to that. So, yeah, and I think that, you know, the, the whole purpose of the trip and the spirit of the, the Institute is to remember the soldiers who died during the Normandy invasion. And Sergeant Ray, uh, unfortunately, did die uh, during the, you know, during the early stages of the Battle of Normandy. And I think it's really cool that you were able to bring in that from, I guess, from when you were a little kid. And then now as a junior going to be senior, being able to research him, that must've meant a lot to you to, to kind of put in and, and know that the, the paper that you wrote will be put on in the records for the Normandy cemetery. Yeah. What, what was really kind of stand out was just really kind of tell us how like Sergeant John Ray affects me. Like I, I have, um, I have his picture and his patch displayed up in my room. It's like in a case and um, it's just basically like a picture frame. And, you know, whenever I'm having any troubles or whatever, I just kind of look up to John Ray and, you know, it's really, it's really, it means a lot to me, especially because, I mean, he meant so much to me like as a kid and he does now. And it's just being able to honor him, you know, like I did, you know, it just really, you know, it, it's just powerful. It's very powerful. And kind of speaking of John Ray, I think let's kind of go over his story a little bit because obviously you did a lot of research into that. And uh, his story, I think, is is really unique in the sense that it is a well-known event, though he's not necessarily a well-known figure in that event. He was in, for I guess, to, to get the background information, I'll let you get the, the big part of the story. Uh, John Ray was in the 82nd Airborne Division. And he participated in the invasion of Italy uh, and, and was was in Sicily as well. And he was in the first paratrooper landings uh, the night of the D-Day invasions. And he is going to, uh, well, his whole group is going to be off course by a couple of miles, right? And they're going to land in St. Mary of Galice. And I'll let Ian kind of pick up his story from there. So um, Ray's objective was to basically land in the St. Mary of Galice and secure it. And the reason why that was happening, the reason why they had to secure St. Mary of Galice was because it was a vital road junction to where if they see St. Mary Lise, that meant the Allies could effectively move quicker into France. So what happened was he drops down and um, it's it, complete chaos. There's there's spotlights up in the air. They're getting shot at as they're coming down. Men are dying before they hit the ground. Yeah, they it were was, supposed to land outside the city. They're landing in the middle. It, directly in the middle. And with, there was a the kind of bigger story there was that there was a fire that was happening um, Due to an Australian incendiary bomb, but that's, you know, nobody really knows exactly who caused the fire. But, um, yeah, so, like, a person, I, f- I forgot his name because they have it in the museum, but um, a person was parachuting, and basically the fire sucked him in. Like, he mm-hmm. got sucked into a burning building, and he burned alive. And I think that just kind of displays, like, just the chaos of it all. But back to Ray. When um, Ray hits the ground, he's shot immediately. He's shot in the abdomen. And he is going to die. But in his um, dying moments, he saves his two comrades, um, Ken Russell and John Steele. And if you've seen The Longest Day, you guys, I think, well, y'all should know John Steele being stuck on the steeple and just that very, very, very famous scene. And he saved 
both their lives by um, shooting a German that was taking aim up at them. And he did. You know, he shot the German in the back of the head. And while he was bleeding from while, the abdomen. Yeah, while he was yeah. bleeding out in his dying moments. Um, saved John Steele. And Ken Russell, his other friend, who was on the side of the church, he cut his shoot and he hit the ground and he broke his leg. But he wanted to go check up on John Ray since they were friends and he checked his pulse and he was declared dead. Yeah. And, and Ken Russell, I think I want to say he breaks his foot falling. He breaks his leg. Yeah. Falling. Yeah, falling. Yeah. And he hides off in a bush uh, until the Germans have to retreat from the city, uh, which they do. And for uh, John Ray, his story obviously ends there, but he saves uh, the lives of two of his friends and there are, multi- there are pictures that we found of him with them uh, prior to to that event, obviously. And it's a really interesting story because Steele gets the famous thing and he was paid yeah. to talk about that story, you know, about how he hung there and fake dead and everything else. And it wouldn't have been a story if it wasn't for, for Ray's, I guess, determination. And, and I think what's also kind of really important to mention is that Steele knew about Ray's sacrifice. Like he, like his wife, like he sent Ray's wife a letter saying, you know, how Ray died and like, it pretty much it said like thank you pretty much mm-hmm. like your your husband saved my life and if like there's anything I can do reach out and I, you just kind of have to wonder like why didn't Steele mention that you know to the greater public about you know about the longest day but you know that's that's whatever I think the bigger picture of the story too is is that this guy um, and you read his letters back and forth to his wife he definitely fits the bill of that. That's that soldier you see in movies where he's really he's the ta- stereotype. Like he's like the the American soldier as you see in movies. Yeah, like he wants to, and he even writes back to her like, "We're going to do what we need to do," and you know, this is the right cause, and all these other things. And it's really, I thought it was really interesting the research you did, and to see the relationship with he and his wife because they wrote a lot of letters. Yeah, they that, yeah they wrote um, over three hundred letters. And I, I think that was just on Ray's side, sending 300 letters to her. She kept those letters locked away in, um, I think, a cedar chest in her attic. I think because Ray was always in her mind when, you know, going out through her life after he passed. And one day after, uh, I think, after her other husband died because she remarried after Ray, um, she got heavily invested into, like, spreading Ray's story around because she wanted to pay, like, as much respect to him as possible. And she made a book, and I think it's called um, Love Letters or uh, a mm-hmm. War II Story, I think. And um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a re- it's a really, really interesting read because, like, it tells you how life was, I think, back then because it's just completely different how she kind of talks about life. It just really shows, like, their love and affection towards each other. I think it was, it was good for you to do that research, and it, it seemed like it was really powerful. Um, one of the big parts of the trip— is that you go to the cemetery in Normandy. And, and if you haven't ever been to this cemetery, it is one of the most powerful places you can ever go. And we had some crazy moments, right? We had a, oh, yeah. a French guy. Uh, <laughs> just a, he didn't speak any English. He was from France. Uh, and he stopped us and basically told us how much he loved Americans. How, he, how was yeah, that for you to yeah, say? He called us. Yeah, he said like we were the uh, liberators. I don't really felt like we liberated anything, but... I mean, and he was an old guy. He yeah, was in his. Yeah, he yeah. was a kid during World War II. Yeah, he definitely probably. Yeah, he he definitely either saw the aft, aftermath of it directly or was alive during it. But it, it was. It just kind of tells you because I think a lot of a lot of people in uh, France don't um, really like Americans as much. But I think the people in Normandy, I think 
since they're kind of really stuck, they, they really appreciate World War II and the Normandy invasion. They, they really love Americans, I think. So that was really interesting. Well, and I think that was kind of interesting because sometimes when you hear about going to France, people talk about like people being like rude and hospitable. Yeah, and they hate like Americans. Yeah, all of the yeah. people in Normandy we seem to interact all with seem nice. to be very yeah. nice. Um, speaking of the cemetery, uh, what was it like for you to see John Ray's grave um, and then to give a eulogy and then for halfway through the rain to start? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it was um, – I don't know. It, it was, it was, it's kind of very hard to describe because like, it's something that has been a part of your life ever since you were a kid and actually just standing there and like, you know, being, you know, like six feet away from, you know, a person that meant so much to you in your life. And, you know, especially, at, you know, I, like, I've, like, it was just very powerful. And I mean, I choked up during, during the eulogy and I mean, and I don't know, just seeing his grave and rubbing, I think, because what, like, what you had to do was for the eulogy, you had to um, take sand that was taken from the beach of uh, just one of the beaches, and you had to rub sand into, like, the engraving pretty it much. It makes it more visible. And it makes it more visible. And, you know, just doing that and just, you know, it was just very, very powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, and, and I, I thought that was, that was just a really good moment, and you did a great job giving the eulogy. Um, what about when we went into the museum part and then seeing an actual display of John Ray? Yeah, so that was right after eulogy. So, like, I'm just kind of, like, you know, just kind of, like, very emotional. And I'm just because, you know, because how much he means to me. And um, we walk into the museum and, you know, I'm kind of complaining because, you know, it, it was raining. I'm cold and whatever. And, I mean, we get to the end of the museum and then I see this just, like, 10 foot display with this humongous picture of him. It's like three paragraphs just talking about what he did. And uh, I was just like at a loss for words. Cause I mean, just, just it lit like my life. It was just like a full circle. It literally became a full circle. And, you know, it was just very, very cool to see that. Very, very cool. Yeah. I thought that was one of the, the cooler moments. And then of course, I mean, his, his display was right next to Teddy Roosevelt Jr. Teddy Roosevelt Jr. Yeah. Who's probably, I think the most famous person in that cemetery. Yeah. And I think what's also, cause the people who work there, the um, people who give tours, they knew about John Ray. Like they, one of the ladies, like she said that like I routinely bring guests around to his grave because it's, it's like his story is that interesting. And I think it's just really interesting to see how much he has more, um, I would say, attention in Normandy than he does in America, I think, because that's just, you know. Yeah, because we saw him on display in two different museums in, in Normandy. Uh, and, I, and I haven't ever seen him really, I think, on display in the United States. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, get something with the World War II Museum and, and maybe change that a little bit because his story is is really good. And it doesn't take a lot of room. It's, a great, it's just a good story. Um <laughs> So you know, the, the trip itself, let, let's, let's talk about this. Um, what do you think are the benefits of learning about a topic in the place that it occurred? Like how impactful was it? Cause you've seen like saving private Ryan and you've, you've learned about D-Day your whole life, but what was it like actually being on Omaha beach and seeing that tide in an hour come in by a hundred yards? Yeah. I, I think because you can never really know, I think, or truly learn about a subject of like history unless you're or experience it unless you're truly there because you'll never really understand like the magnitude or like you'll never understand what the soldiers had to go through. And I think, cause we went out, I think pretty early in the day and the water was like really far out, but they went at like 
what time they go at? I think like six, 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 seven in the morning. And yeah. it was like an extra hundred yards. So it was just at an extra hundred yards pretty much to where we were. And just to think about how they had to just sprint through literally explosions, fire, like just literally everything. And then the wounded on the beach, if they don't get moved, that tide's coming in every half hour by 100 feet. It's just horrifying to really just see and especially to go on the easy road sector and to look up at like the the mountain pretty much or like the high ground and just to think like, of what can be there, you know, like the, the guns, the like artillery gun, just like everything, you know? So, that so when we were on, I think it was Omaha, you got to go up to the top of one of the little cliffs overlooking, you had to climb a little path. Um, how difficult was that just to get up without getting shot at? Oh yeah. It's, it's like, it's pretty hard. Cause it's like a couple hundred steps and you know, I like, I was kind of out of breath doing it, but um, it's really hard to imagine springing across the beach, surviving that, and then on top of that, to keep going and to climb just a small mountain and with how many pounds a year in your back? Yeah. You know, it's soaking wet. Yeah. Hard, crazy, to um, crazy to imagine. And then I know we went down one of the draws, uh, which was a, a fun activity. Yeah, um, going. yeah. Like the it was. So when we went, it was just moist. I, I would say like it really wasn't even that wet. And. You know, Dr. Long, who runs the program, like he almost slipped and fell. And like, I think five people slipped and fell. And we, I almost slipped and fell. It was really funny. But um, that also kind of put in perspective, too, because like they had to climb that going up the opposite direction, holding a gun, using one hand to pretty much get up there, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just just insane to imagine. It puts a lot in perspective, and I know just being in Normandy, because we went all around Normandy. We were there for a week. Um, we got to go into St. Mary Gleese, so we got to see where we think John Ray was probably shot. Yeah, um, they had, like, the museum had his like, spot picked yeah. out. Yeah. And then we, you know, we got to see hedgerows, and that, mm. gives you, did that give you a different perspective of like the Battle of Normandy. Because in a, a textbook, the Battle of Normandy is a footnote, mm, yeah. um, but this was one of the most violent battles in the U.S. Army's history. Yeah, like the, I think just kind of just looking at hedgerows and I mean, just imagining as an American soldier, what is behind that? Mm-hmm. You know, just imagining, okay, if I want to cross this street, okay, I have to think about not only the hedgerows where I could just run into a German division or better yet, I can just run into a tank, yeah. you know, and you could do nothing, you know, and that's what was just so horrifying about the entire invasion, you know. One of the things that, um, I mean, as a history teacher who studied this stuff a lot that I dork, dorked out over, um, was getting to see the remnants of the mulberries, um, the the, the yeah, artificial yeah. ports that were made in Britain that they they, they put in Normandy that we, so that the British and Americans eventually could land uh, equipment, um, and they the remnants are still there. Yeah, uh, what was it like getting to walk around those and or, or at least see those in the scope of them? Yeah, I, I think it's just incredible to like see like just World War II, um, just remnants of World War II, because like in America, like there's really not that. We've never had an invasion like on our soil. There hasn't been bombs bomb, like dropped everywhere. But to seeing like, I don't know, craters and the mulberries, it's, it's just kind of puts in perspective like how lucky, you know, we are and how great, like how, you know, grateful I think we should all be that, you know, our country wasn't bombed, invaded. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... Just, just crazy. And I know Point to Hawk, you, you, you like that one a lot when we got there to see where yeah, the Army Rangers had to scale the cliff. Because, yeah, like, I mean, like, you look at Omaha and you just imagine, you know, gun emplacements that could be there. But just imagine having to climb up a hill, 
you know, and just have to keep fighting after that. Like, because just even getting to these places, like you're kind of, kind of, you're breaking a sweat, you know, but just imagining what the Rangers had to climb and to, you know, what their job was, mm-hmm. you know, it was crazy. And, and we got to learn about on, on the trip. We, we got to see, this was something I hadn't really done on my previous trips. Uh, we got to see the British and Canadian sectors of the beaches and we got to learn a little bit about the British and Canadian uh, sacrifices. One of the areas that we went to was the Ardennes Abbey, which is the site of a massacre of Canadian soldiers. Um, and in fact, we stood in the courtyard where they died. What was that like for you to stand in a place where you know a war crime was committed? It, it's just like terrible. It, it's just so terrible that like how people could like ever do this. You know, it's, it's, it was really just, it's, you're just kind of at a loss for words when you get there because to know you stood where like 20 men were all shot in the back of the head. And their you know, pictures it, are all along the wall. Their pictures yeah. are all along the wall. And, you know, to, to know how they were like killed, it, it was such a, it was such a terrible thing. They would call, they would bring up one soldier. You'd hear a gunshot. They wouldn't come back and they say, Hey, you come. And then they just bring, and they do that to the entire unit. And they talked about how even some of the men, when they knew they were going to die, they still held, like held their head strong. They shook hands. They said goodbye. And, you know, I think that just kind of shows like the bravery and like the courage of all the soldiers who participated in, um, in the battles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I think that, again, getting the sense of empathy with what people went through, but also just an understanding of, of these events. And, you know, the, uh, I guess for you, um, what are your biggest takeaways from the trip as a whole? I think the biggest, um, takeaways of the trip is just uh, to, to really just be grateful. I think because for me, I like to be grateful because, um, to know that stuff like this happened, to know that a, a, a war happened and like these atrocities were committed, you know, I'm just so grateful that, you know, I, I have not had to participate in any of that, anybody that I'm close to or friends or just people in general today have not had to deal with, but also I gained a tremendous amount of respect and um, just just admiration for just soldiers in general, because soldiers are, you know, <laughs> especially back like in World War II, like they they liberated us from, you know, Nazism. And, 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 I, and I think that and just to imagine what they had, what steps they took and what they had done to them, it, it's just incredible. You know, to really just be there and witness it all. So. Yeah, and you have a, you know, your brother's also in the military, so you yeah, have a little so, tie you know, yourself. I, I think, you know, it's it's kind of like scary, you know, to think what, you know, my brother might face up against. But it also, like, gives me great respect for him because, like, he's fighting, you know, for us. You know, he's fighting, you know, for all Americans. So I'm really proud of, yeah. of that. And I want to give you a little credit too, because you you were not feeling well for the for about half our time in France. Yeah, um, <laughs> your 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 immune system caught up with you there. Yeah, I, I got I don't know what I got like a, a sinus infection or something, and um, I felt terrible. Yeah, I, I felt really bad um, on Omaha when we went to Omaha. I just I think I stayed in the bus for like the first like thirty minutes because I couldn't sleep at all, and then I I walked out there and saw everything. But um, I think what was really funny was. Um, Coach Arvides giving chloroseptic at the uh, pharmacy and, and asking for chloroseptic at the pharmacy. That was, 
That was pretty funny to hear. Yeah, my, my translation skills were top notch yeah. uh, in, the, yeah. in the French pharmacy. <laughs> uh, and, and what was crazy was just how inexpensive it was in comparison to to coming to like a Walgreens. In yeah, the how US. much was it? It was like it was like five, like less than five euros. Yeah, yeah, that, for that, something that, that would cost eighteen dollars here. <laughs> Um, which I think is just, it was, it was hilarious. Um, and then you, you muscled through Paris and I didn't want to talk too much about Paris cause that wasn't really the point of the trip, but, uh, what were your highlights in Paris? Yeah. I think museum, they were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that was incredible. That, that was, yeah, that was just sorry night. That was incredible. But I think just being in a city that old and just seeing on like random buildings, they just have this 1000 year old statue mm-hmm. sitting there and just go like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And I think it's just really cool just to be where a lot of history was. So yeah, yeah, and, and I know you didn't like the uh, the people taking selfies in front of the the oh, self portraits. I, I, I'll never understand it. People just wait an hour just to just take a selfie when you just take a picture of it on your phone. But you know, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Well, um, you know, I, I know we're you know we're going to be doing probably a couple of presentations on. Uh, Sergeant Ray, and I know you're going to do him proud, and you did him proud on the trip. And I guess you know that's really about it. We're, we're going to talk about Pegasus Bridge, I think, in another yeah another thing. We, we might have to do a little Pegasus Bridge one because that's a really cool story that I feel like Americans under the age of forty don't really know much about yeah. Pegasus Bridge. Old mm. older Americans tend to because they've seen the longest day. Uh, but you did a great job presenting on that and everything else. So, uh, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I, I just, uh, no, okay, I'll, I'll just say this, but I, I just think everybody, you know, should at least try to go to Normandy at some point because it is just a, it is just a, a great experience to just like see where a, where a, like, the greatest naval invasion of American history, well, of all human history occurred, you know, and to know the sacrifices that they went through. So, yeah. All right, Ian. Well, thank you, and I'm glad you enjoyed the trip. It was, it was just as powerful for me to, to be there with you. So this was Tigers by the Fire, Episode 1 of Season 3. Thank you. Thank you.